Um, this is the second week um, of Advent, which is the week we talk about peace, adventuring into Advent, adventuring into peace. And there are all these things. God calls us into adventure, right? And so as we read things, we study things about God's desire to bring us life, it's an adventure, even whenever sometimes it might be difficult. And peace is one of those things in our life that we are created for, we're wired for, and we all want it. Uh, because God's given us that desire. But there are lots of ways that the world tells us that we can find peace, okay? And, and peace in the Bible is defined as shalom. And shalom in the Old Testament means uh, to have order or, the, or, or to have everything right in every area of your life. Or for, for you, for every area of your life, to be as God created it to be. That is what peace means, okay? And so uh, that involves peace with God. That involves peace with each other. And it involves peace with the world. And we're going to look at that famous, that famous verse today uh, where it talks about, um, you know, peace on earth, you know, to all men or whatever it says. We're going to read it together, okay? And, um, but, but, and, and so the world does tell us. It tells us there's lots of ways to find this peace, okay? And in the 1960s, there was a movement. There was a movement that embraced this idea of how you can find peace. It was called the hippie movement, okay? And the hippie movement, flower power, make love, not war. I know, you always, I have the big peace sign shirt. Uh, I used to have a VW camper, van. I mean, I was rolling in it. I mean, I was, no, I'm just kidding. I didn't, I was too, too young. I was born in 1967, and that's whenever it was kicking off, all right? And, uh, but it's just like this philosophy of how, you find peace. And um, the movement, it says, I, I read a bunch about this. You know, hippie comes from hipster, and so it's like coming back again, right? Um, but the movement, the goal of the movement was to stop the Vietnam War, establish equal, civil, equal social and civil rights for everybody, um, to question and rebel against materialistic system that their parents had raised them in, and most importantly, to promote the spread and use of psychedelic drugs. Literally, that's what history says. I read a lot about it on Wikipedia and a number of other sources, and that was like a serious part, legit part, and the part that we probably remember the most about the hippie movement, right? Or at least the people that I know that were involved in the hippie movement talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, if we love one another, accept one another, do random acts of kindness, then everything will be okay. Peace, love, and happiness, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but out of this movement, there also came some epic music, okay? Woodstock is kind of the pinnacle of the hippie movement, this huge thing. There were craziness going on there. I mean, people were smoking weed everywhere, doing the psychedelic drugs everywhere. I mean, it was, it was insane in a lot of debauchery ways, all right? Okay, but out of that, uh, this movement, there was a famous song, and I'm going to read to you the first verse. And some of you will know what song it is. When I read the, Gretchen will know, okay? When I, Anne will know, there's a number of you that will know in here. When I read this, you're going to know the song. Some of you, but everyone will probably know the verse, okay? And this kind of came out of this movement. Love is but a song to sing. Fear is the way we die. You can make the mountains ring or make the angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing. Do you know it? Do you know it? Don't lie to me. Pat Murphy knows it. He's pretending like he doesn't. Though the bird is on the wing, and you may know why. Here we go. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. That is, right? I know. 
I belong here. I, here, not here. A lot more fun there. Okay, so this is a song that promotes this idea, again, that uh, if, we, if we just love one another, uh, you know, this song appeals to peace through brotherhood and being kind. If we just smile at one another, everything's going to be okay, and peace will reign on earth. But it didn't work, did it? Nope, didn't work. It was fun while it lasted, but it didn't work. Uh, yuppies came in after that, became more materialistic than ever, pursued you know, finances, started moving out of the city, living on their own, isolating instead of being a community. All these things happened. But there were some positive things that happened. And maybe the most positive thing that happened in this time happened through Martin Luther King Jr., who was someone who brought reconciliation, who brought peace into the world, but he did it out of a peace that he had in Christ, a deeper peace, a peace that transcends what we experience and what we see in the world, a peace that allows us to love others, to love our enemies, because our identity isn't wrapped up in how they think about us. Our identity isn't wrapped up in being right or being wrong, that our identity is in Christ that we have been reconciled to God through Christ in a right relationship, and that peace that lives in us, we can share with other people and bring peace to the world. Okay? And so what we're going to do this week is look at that. Christmas is about restoring peace between God and us. It's about restoring peace between us and others. And it's a peace that restores the world to God. But how that peace comes involves more than just being nice, more than just being kind and smiling and smoking weed together. Peace comes often through conflict, often through fighting. And so we're going to look at that today. And it begins in Luke um, 2. Not, we're not going to look at smoking weed part. We're going to look at the like, reconciliation part, okay? And this is where it starts in Luke 2, 8 through 14. Okay, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is called Christ, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was, a multi- and there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to send your spirit. Holy Spirit, come, enlighten our hearts, open our minds to the truth of what you're teaching us today about peace. Um, and the promises you have for us, and the hope you have for us, and the peace that you have um, to offer us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so in this verse, there's this famous line, maybe the most famous line at Christmas, which is, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Okay, now the, the old King James Version says this, on earth, Peace, goodwill towards men, all men, all the world. Okay, this was kind of the interpretation of the King James, okay, back in the day. Uh, and, and still today, Old King James says that. Now, the other translation that's more modern sounds like what we read today. Peace on earth for those on whom his gracious kindness rests. Okay, and so really, 
Pieces are for everybody. It's for God's special people, people that his favor rests on. Okay, so which is right? Well, today we're going to look at that both are right. Neither one of these translations truly capture what this verse is communicating to us. Okay, and so one of the things before, or before we get going, though, I think it's important that we understand um, what peace is and how peace is talked about in the Bible. I've already talked about shalom. I talked about how it's to create order, every order, everything right in every area of our life. But in general, when peace is talked about, especially in the New Testament, it's not talking about prosperity and it's not talking about a general peacefulness in our life, a trouble-free life. Okay, peace in the Bible. Really, really, it's all throughout the Bible. Um, means the end of hostility. It means the end of hatred. It means the end of warfare. And the Bible says the most important peace is the peace that needs to happen between man and woman and God, between his children, between the world and, and God, okay, between us and God. That is the most, that is the central, most important uh, peace that needs to be worked out in our lives because that peace is what leads to these other two areas of peace, okay? And so, let's start there. Jesus has come to restore peace between man and God. And, the and like I said, the Bible defines it as hatred, hostility, and war. And so, the beginning of understanding what peace is, is understanding that we're at war with God. That there's a war, there's a battle between man and God. There's hostility between man and God. There's anger between man and God. That's what the scripture teaches. That's what the scripture says. And so you might think, like, well, I've never felt like that, Antley. Like, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm angry. I don't ever remember being angry or hostile to God or, like, opposed to God or against God. But that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that we are born into the world with this brokenness in our heart, with this desire to rule over our lives, to take control of our lives, to be our own king, to sit on the throne of our heart, do what we want, when we want, and how we want. And we believe this lie that when we get to do this, then we can bring peace to our life. We have the ability to bring peace to our life when we have the freedom to control our life. Okay? But God says, no, you don't belong. I created you. I'm your creator. You don't belong on that throne. I belong on that throne. I've created you. I've created your heart. For me to reside there, for you to come underneath my submission, come underneath my rulership so that I can expand my kingdom and make myself look good, right? And we're like, we're not all about that. Uh -uh. We're like all about making us look good. We're all about, you know, make, you know, having control and doing what we want, how we want. None of us want to just submit to anybody, much less an all-powerful God that's going to call us into things that are overwhelming, call us into things that where we, we totally, to some degree, lose control and lose, lose control in what we think that we want or where life is found. Okay, so we resist that. There's hostility. There's a war there. Okay, either, you know, either you're on God's side or you're not on God's side. There's no, like, neutral Sweden spirituality, right? That's not, that doesn't exist. There's either one or the other. And, and the Bible says we're born into the world. Okay, and so, again, most of us think, man, I'm not, 
I don't see myself like that. I've never really experienced that. And it's not like that. Here's a picture, and I'm going to use this picture throughout today, but it's, it's really just a best attempt to capture some of, of this deal. But it, will, it breaks down. It's not great. Um, but it's like this. It's not like that you're born into the world and you grow up and you're sitting on this white stallion as a general in this battle and you're like, yo, God, I'm going to crush, dominate you. You better back down because I'm coming after you. I'm going to kill you. I hate you. I'm hostile towards you, God. Like, it's not like that, right? That's not how we normally feel. What it's like is this reality that we're born behind enemy lines. We're born behind enemy lines. And we grow up in the trenches with the enemy whispering to us, this is who you really are. You know, hiding from us who God really is. Hiding from us his glory, his beauty, his power, and the desire God has to bring us true freedom, true hope, true peace. And so we settle in this trench behind enemy lines where there is this cosmic battle going on And we are just living life, trying to get by, trying to find peace, trying to find hope. I meet with people all the time. They come in, they're like, man, I'm just miserable. If if only, you know, I don't have peace, I I feel unrest, I have anxiety. If only my marriage could get fixed. Or man, if only I had this job, this right job. I'm in this job that I'm just, there's no peace. I don't have any peace there. I go to work, I hate it. It's a nightmare. If I just had the right job, then I would have peace. Okay, so that's us like living in the trench and believing the lie that I have to have these things in order for me to have peace. And that opposes God and what he says. God says, no, I am the only one that can give you true peace. And when you choose these other things, it it is that opposes my kingdom. And people see the way you're living and their eyes are taken off me and onto you. And that, that make me happy. That has to change because I love you. And I want to give you peace. Okay? But Jesus is born to reconcile us, right? The story of Christmas is God and sinners. We sang it today. God and sinners reconcile. Jesus is born to reconcile us and God. Okay? He can come between us and restore the relationship. That, that first bit of peace. He can restore the relationship, reconcile the relationship in us and God. And so this is what happened. Jesus comes on the battlefield. He raises the white flag and surrenders his life on the cross for our sin, our rebellion, our hostility. Romans 5, 1 and then 9 and 10 says this. A great, great verse on what it, uh, what it, what's going on here. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since, therefore, we have been justified by his blood, his death on the cross, much more shall we be saved, saved by him from the anger, from the hostility of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Okay? And so that is what's going on. That is what Jesus has come to do, is that we have peace through Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We are no longer, when we receive that peace, when we receive Christ, we are no longer um, enemies of God. We are no longer at odds with God. We are no longer hostile. We, are, we have stepped off our throne and we've said, you know what? 
I want this. I see this. I want this. So without Jesus, there can be no peace. There can be no peace with God. But we can have peace by surrendering our life to Jesus and stepping down, yielding to him. Okay, so in a practical sense, you're sitting there thinking, man, I, I want this peace. And maybe I thought I've had it, but I haven't. And this is something that you can say to God. This is something that in your heart you need to come to an understanding of if you're wanting to come under his, his peace. And so you can say, not only, you recognize, not only have I done bad things against God, but even the good things I've done have been to be my own savior, to assert my independence from my creator and king. Even the right things I do have been done for the wrong reasons. I need to totally trust in Jesus and the saving work that he has done for me. That our salvation, our rescue, comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. From Jesus and Jesus alone. There's nothing that you can do to deserve it, nothing that you can do to earn it, that you will stay in that trench, that you will choose that trench until he comes and opens your eyes and brings you life so that you will choose. You will choose life with him, through him, with God. Now, okay, so let's go back to that picture. Okay, so you're in the trench. You're like, I want life. I'm wired for life. I'm wired for peace. And look at all this awesome mud around me. This is going to be amazing. I'm going to find peace here. I'm going to find life in the trench. This is all you know. This is all you see. You believe the lies of the enemy. And then Jesus, this dude, comes into the trench, right? And uh, who was also born behind enemy lines. And tells you, wait, there's more. You can't see it, but there's more. Look at who I am. I reflect the more that you were really created for. He says, like, listen, I am a spy from the other side, okay? God on the other side, who you're fighting against, has sent me to be born behind enemy lines, to grow up, to understand all that you've been dealing with in this trench, to understand all your desires, to understand what you go through, the temptations, the lies that you believe. But I'm here to tell you and to show you and bring, into, bring you into another way of life. And when you say, yes, I want this peace, I'm tired of fighting, I trust you, Jesus. I believe what you say. I see who God really is through you. I trust that he is good. I trust that he has peace for me, a greater peace, a peace that surpasses the peace I see in this world that I've been experiencing in my situation. And we surrender to Jesus. So like I said, Jesus raises the white flag. He goes out of the trench and says, look, I'll be right back. Okay, I'm going to be back. I got to go talk to who we're fighting, or this war that's going on, this enemy that you're claiming you have. And so he comes back and he says, okay, you're good to go. You can go over now. I made a truce that will allow you to be free, to allow you to go free. And so, and he promises, I, if you get out of this ditch, you will not die. You will not die. I will protect you. There is a truce that I have made and you are safe. Okay. And so we come out of the trench and through Christ, as we come out, as he re removes the veil from our eyes, we see God for the first time. We see who he really is. We see his beauty, his power, his glory. We see his love for us, his adoration, his affection for us. And we realize, well, that is who you really are. 
This is who I really am. This is how you feel about me. That you've been fighting an enemy, but I wasn't your enemy. The enemy was your enemy. I was your child, and you sent your son for me. And there's an understanding that we've never had. And so Jesus says, he pulls us out, and he says, now that we've seen who God really is, we have a choice to make. And we can say, yeah, I see that now, and I just don't want it. I just kind of like what I have back in the trench, right? And people do that. Or we can say, yes, I see who God is, who I am, who he's created me to be, how much he loves me, and I want that. And so he asks you, do you want that? And when you say yes, two things simultaneously happen on the battlefield. The first thing that happens is that Jesus is killed immediately. Dead on the battlefield. And you are transported to God's side. To his peace. To his love. That you immediately are in the embrace and the love and the adoration of the Father. That you immediately experience the peace that you were created to have. But the peace came through a truce that required Jesus to die. Okay? And so without Jesus dying, there's no truce. Without Jesus dying, there's no peace. But the only way, so the only way we can have peace, like I said, is through Jesus dying. But when we don't choose that, we're left on the throne. We remain selfish. We remain in control of our life. And to be in control of our life, we have to control other people. We have to control other people to get what we want. And in controlling other people, guess what happens? There is no peace. Like, peace goes out the door. Okay? So hostility results as a result of our independence and desire to control. Because no one else wants to be controlled either. They want to sit on the throne and their heart. They want to be in control of their life. And this leads to conflict. And so there can be no peace with others, no peace on earth, unless there's first peace with us and God. And we surrender that. But does that mean then? So that's the first verse. That God has peace for those on whom his favor rests. People on whom his favor rests are people who have said, I want to get out of the trench. I know it can only come through you, Jesus. Bring it on. And yes, and amen, I want that. And we are on God's side. We're on his lines. And we're fighting for his kingdom. But then the other side, you know, it's like peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. How does that happen? What does that mean? And the answer is yes, there as well. There is a way that God has created for that to happen. It doesn't mean, you know, that there's no peace for only Christians. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, he tells his disciples that we, that they can be peacemakers. And like Jesus' disciples, we are created to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. Peacemakers are people who, through making peace with God, bring peace, bring his peace to other people. Peacemakers can admit their flaws, can admit their weaknesses, can be honest and show the world how to love, not needing to be right, not needing to have their identity wrapped up in who they are and how awesome they are. That their identity all of it is, is now in Christ. And the peace of Christ that lives in you gives you peace, peace beyond the peace that the rest of the world has. And we can bring that to them. We give peace when we live peace. Okay, we give peace. That can be a tweet. When we live peace. 
the, this new peace that we have in God is reflected in the relationships that we have. It's reflected in how we live. Okay, it's reflected in us being reconcilers to other people. We should be the best at diffusing conflicts. We should be the best at helping to facilitate forgiveness between family members, to, between people at work. We should be the best at reconciliation between races and other people, other political views. We should be the best reconcilers because we know that we've been reconciled and that we have peace and that true peace doesn't come from being right in those areas. True peace comes from being right with God and that is the foundation of our life. And we have, we have nothing to prove to anyone. So we can serve them and love them without being afraid, without being defensive. Christmas means that through the grace of God, we have been given the gift of Jesus. And through him, peace with God is available. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. And the more people who embrace the peace, this peace, the better off the world is. Now, I could end right there, right? I could end right there. That would be a sweet ending to an awesome talk. But I'm not. There's a bit at the end now, so I set you up because you're like, oh, this is amazing. I feel so happy and peaceful now. This is awesome. But there's another bit. And this part is going to push us a little bit, okay? Um, but just beyond this verse, we read um, of a prophecy that this man named uh, Simeon gives. And Simeon's been promised by the Holy Spirit that you're not going to die until you see Christ the Lord, okay? And so Mary and Joseph are bringing Jesus in to make a sacrifice uh, about being born of purity. And you know what they get? You know what they sacrifice? Two turtle doves. Mm-hmm. That's the sacrifice. That's where the song comes from. It's the Jesus song. You didn't think it was, right? Two turtle doves. I know. I should be there. All right. And so, um, and he comes in. And Simeon prophesies over him, and he says this. This is one of the things he says. He says, um, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary's mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What's he saying? He's saying that Jesus will bring division. That people will oppose him. And as they oppose him, they will oppose the people who are with him. And there will be division among you and among others. And the result will be conflict. Jesus' peacemaking will also create unpeace or unrest. I like unpeace better. Unpeace. New conflicts will arise in your life as a result of following Jesus. People are going to be offended by you. If you're truly following Christ, you're truly bringing the message of where peace comes from, you are going to offend people because Jesus offends people. Now, we don't try to offend people. And loving people, caring for people, and telling people where peace comes from, we are challenging their throne. We are challenging them and the peace that they think that they have. Now, again, we're doing this in a loving way. We're not angry about this. We are lovingly wanting them to find life to the full. But it will bring conflict. 
It will bring people towards you and in your life that want to kill, steal, and destroy, just like the enemy used to, that will want to scare you. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34, Do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What the what? What does that mean? That just contradicted everything I just taught on, right? No. He does not mean that he comes to incite violence. He means that in order to have peace, you will have to be so loyal to him that it will create conflict in your life. It will create unrest in your heart at times. But the loyalty I demand will still bring you a peace that is so great that you can weather those storms. But that is the peace that people need to see, that steadfastness in you in the midst of conflict, at the expense of relationships, Jesus says, with family, with friends, with those who oppose, who have said, no, I am in this trench. I am my own king, my own Lord. They will attack Jesus because he is going after their throne. And when they attack Jesus, there will be collateral damage and you'll be hit, and it will be painful, and it will be difficult, and it will cost you. But the promise of Jesus, the same promise that called us out of the trench, I promise you will not die. I promise you will not die on this battlefield is the same promise that allows us to trust him into the battle again to bring peace to the world. Christmas means... Through the grace of God, we have been given the gift of Jesus. And through him, peace with God is available to us now. And if you make peace with God, then you can go out and make peace with everybody else. And the more people who embrace God's peace, the world will be transformed. Christmas, therefore, means the increase of peace, both with God and with people across the world that is the invitation this morning to find peace to have our hope restored like we talked about and for some of us even as believers we struggle to get off the throne we want to climb back on there and so we feel like and there are times where we feel like peace is lost hope is lost but jesus still sits there and he is not going to relinquish his throne to you because of his love for you and the desire he has to bring you peace, even when we don't want it, even when we feel like we've lost it. He is all about bringing us peace. That's what Christmas is about. That's the gift of Jesus Christ. Let's stand.